Good afternoon, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. It's a great blessing that we may be here again this afternoon to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory has the following announcements. Sister Kaylee de Boer has arrived with attestation from the Canadian Reformed Church of Coldale, Alberta. We welcome this sister to our congregation. The family Kyle and Ashley Peters, with their two baptized children, Bowden and Lila, have requested an attestation for the Free Reformed Church of Launceston. We wish this family the Lord's blessing as they take up their place in their new congregation. On Sunday, the 4th of June, that is next week Sunday, there will be a meeting of the consistory with the congregation immediately after the morning church service to consider calling candidate Tim Sla for the purpose of mission work in PNG. More information has been distributed already in the pigeonholes. Consistory as elders only will meet the Lord willing tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. in the consistory room. And this afternoon, our worship service will be led by our Emeritus Minister, Reverend Veltman. But before we commence the worship service, let us sing together from hymn 48, verse 1, 3, and 4. 1, 3, and 4 of hymn 48.
Let's lift up our hearts to the Lord. At the beginning of this worship service, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And he greets you, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let's sing the praise of the Lord in all the three verses of Psalm 123.
Psalm 122, a beautiful psalm about the church. And as follow-up, we will also confess that confession of the church, with the church of all times and all places, and this after we'll do that with the virtue of the apostles of the night scene, great. So let everyone speak with me in his heart. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things, visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, begotten of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance, with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and became incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. It was crucified for us in the Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he arose according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. And we believe one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's now call upon the God of our salvation, because as we confessed, he will hear our supplication. And in that trust, we will pray. 
Heavenly God and Father, we thank thee that in sovereign grace thou hast chosen us to be thine. Grace that daily we may warm ourselves in that wonderful love and may rejoice in thy never-ending faithfulness towards us. But also this afternoon we confess that we do not always live up to that confession. And even there we do so, it's only fruit of faith. The faith that the Holy Spirit has worked in us, as we may focus on it also this afternoon. For Father, from ourselves there is nothing we can boast of. We are wretched sinners who often fail thee, grieve thee. And so in true humbleness we pray thee, forgive us these sins. Help us repent each day, Father. Help us to see, Father, that repentance is not something for the people outside the church, but equally for us each day, as you have to battle against sin. But there's the Holy Spirit who helps us to fight against sin and to restore us that new life so that more and more we may grow to become Christ-like. Lord, what a beautiful promise that is. When we cling to thee, that we may know that we will grow in faith, out of thankfulness for all that Christ has done for us. Lord, we may focus on all these riches, on the comforts we receive also by believing in the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God, as he could confess it, is the Nicene Creed, the God of our salvation, who through thy spirit dwells in us to help us, to guide us, to impart to us all that we have in Christ, the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives. He who will help us in running the race with perseverance to the very end. Lord, we confess these are all undeserved blessings. Every Sunday in the preaching we hear about these blessings to comfort and strengthen us. But in the daily routine of life, so quickly we get sidetracked again. And so, Father, help us to stay firm, to stand firm in faith. Create in us a steadfast spirit so that we not go down to defeat in this battle, may stand firm to the very end, our eyes directed to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, as we open our thy word, we pray thee make us willing to listen, to listen attentively, take away all that could hinder us in listening. Be near also to thy servant who is just a weak instrument in thy hand. Give, them, give him wisdom from above and empower him by thy spirit to speak thy words. So what we may hear this afternoon is the voice of the good shepherd wants to lead us in green pastures and along still waters. Lord, be so near in our worship also when we Sing our praises to thee, 
when we offer our sacrifices to you for the work of mission, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open God's word and read a few passages from the gospel according to John. In connection with the Lord's Day we will focus on. It's not the Lord's Day that was the follow-up for last week, but I asked God's history if it was okay to deal with Lord's Day 20 since it is Pentecost, and it is good also this afternoon to, work, to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit. Hence a few passages in the Gospel according to John, where Christ speaks about the Holy Spirit, who, in that, who at that time was still to come. John 14, we read verses 14 through to 18. John 14, the, the verses, we start in verse 15. John 14, verse 18, only, in verse 18 to 26, yes. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I, am in my, that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is, it, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to, to remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So far from chapter 16, now we turn to chapter far from. That was chapter 14, now we turn to chapter 16. The verses 12 through to 15. The chapters 14, 15 and 16 are part of what the Lord Jesus taught his disciples just before he went to the cross. So that is basically Christ's final instruction to his people before he died. John 14 through to 16. We read from chapter 16, the verses 12 through to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you. The things will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
Let's also sing of the work of the Holy Spirit with hymn 47, verse 4. Now turn to our confession, the Halleberg Catechism, Lord's Day 20, on page 534 of the Book of Praise. Page 534. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. So far, our confession. In response to the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 51, the verses 4 and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, every Sunday, mostly every Sunday, with the words of the Apostles' Creed, but sometimes as this afternoon, also with the words of the Nicene Creed, amongst others, we also confess, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. And this afternoon I would like to address the point what comfort that confession gives. It's important because if it comes to the work of the Father, we 
often easily can say, the Father cares for, he, for us, he has sent his Son for us. It's, it's a joy, it's a great comfort that we have a Father in heaven who cares for us. If you think of the work of the Son, everyone can speak about it. He died for our sins, he taught when he was on earth, he descended into hell, arose, and is now seated at God's right hand, the Father, the Son. But what about the work of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes that's a bit more difficult to say what the Holy Spirit actually does and what comfort we, what comfort we can derive from that. Now, every time when a child is baptized here in front of the church, you hear also what the Holy Spirit does for us. When a child is baptized into the name of the triune God, the form goes through what? The Father does, what the Son does. And then it says about the Holy Spirit, He imparts to us what we have in Christ. But what does that mean? How does the Holy Spirit do that? Well, brothers and sisters, when that child, or an adult, is baptized, then the triune God claims our life. He writes his name on it. This is my child. And the Holy Spirit says also, this is my child. He takes, because he is the renewer of life, he takes, so to speak, the reins of our life in his hand. That's how you could, could describe the work of the Holy Spirit by imparting to us what we have in Christ. He now takes these reins of our life in hands, so that when the ship of our life goes through the waves and storms and the difficulties of life, the trials, it can make life very tumultuous, then the Holy Spirit is there to make sure that we do not get shipwrecked amidst the heavy storms. That's what he does. And that's, as you read in the Lord's Day 1, that he will do as long as we live, because he remains with us forever. Isn't that a tremendous comfort, beloved? Tremendous, tremendous comfort that we as congregation in this tumultuous life have the Spirit who will help us. Who will help us also individually to remain standing. We may rely on the Holy Spirit each day. Do you ever pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him to do that? We can talk to the Father, we can speak to the Son, but we may also address the Holy Spirit. Spirit, help me, guide me on this way and hold on to me so that I indeed may persevere to the very end. That's how the Spirit takes hold of us through Christ. For brothers and you can never say anything substantial about the Holy Spirit, apart from Christ. From a redemptive point of view, the Spirit is always connected to Christ. You read that in John. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Well, that's how the Spirit connects us with Christ. He comforts us with the treasures and riches of Christ. 
And he will also make sure that we will be there, that he will be there to the very end. And that's how I've also summarized the sermon. As God's children, we receive tremendous comfort from believing us in the Holy Spirit. Because he connects us with Christ, he comforts us with Christ, and keeps us in Christ. He connects us with Christ. If you go by what the Heidelberg Catechism says about the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, then basically you could say they didn't have so much time to spend also a whole Lord's Day on the Catechism. Okay, one Lord's Day. But if you look at the, at the work of the Father, Lord's Day 9, it's a very extensive Lord's Day, and then Lord's Day 10. Then comes the work of the Son, Lord's Day 11 through to 19. And then you have Lord's Day 20 and Lord's Day 21 starts about the church. There's only a small part of the catechism that speaks about the Holy Spirit, as it looks like. But we should not forget that above Lord's Day 20, it says, the next Lord's Days, plural, will speak about God, the Holy Spirit, and our sanctification. And if you look at the the Apostles' Creed, because that's what the Catechism follows, then you see that last section of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and then I believe one holy Catholic Church, and forgiveness of sins, that all belongs to the work of the Holy Spirit, as it also shows in the Catechism, the next Lord's Days are still on that header, under that heading. And you could even say that Lord's Day 23 and 24 also belong to that, because they also speak about the work of the Holy Spirit. So after all, four Lord's Days, in some way or other, deal with the work of the Holy Spirit, the life-giving Spirit, by whom Christ wants to bring his redemptive work in us to completion, sanctifying us, creating us a new life, so that more and more we may reflect the image of Christ. That image, image once we are created in the Garden of Eden. Throughout our whole life, the Holy Spirit is busy with that. He's busy with that this afternoon. But he will be busy with that also tomorrow. That's how the Holy Spirit is busy with us to bring us, as it says in the form for the baptism, Finally, at the end of our life, that he may present us without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. That's your sanctification. And there's also an aspect we often forget. We know about the forgiveness of sins, which is our justification. Also that Christ bore the guilt, that's our, that he had, is our righteousness, but... That work of the sanctification is an important aspect of the redemptive work of the triune God. Sanctification. It comes from a word that in English means making holy. So, that's what the Spirit wants to do. He wants to make us holy in and through Christ. And that's how God sees us, beloved. And that's, that's, that's a miracle. Realize that. 
Sometimes we think about our life and so miserable and I keep fighting sin. How will God see me? He sees us in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is working in us that God will see more and more of that. It's not us. It's the triune God who has taken us for his, under his wings. That's how God sees us. Keep that in mind. If you believe that your sins are completely forgiven, so in true repentance you have laid it all before the Lord, you are washed clean. But you keep sinning. I will come back to that at the third point. But then there is the Holy Spirit. Just look at me. I make you holy. That's how God sees us. Holy. The root meaning of that word means setting apart. This is negatively. The Lord sets us apart. He has, indeed, it says about the baptism, He has set us apart. This child belongs to God's kingdom, set us apart from the kingdom of Satan. And then it also means positively being dedicated to the Lord, separated from the world, dedicated to the Lord. Think of what parents have to answer, whether they believe that. Do you confess now that children who conceived and born in sin are sanctified in Christ? And it says also in Alpha 74, which talks about infant baptism, that God has set us, and also the children, us and our children, has set us apart, has crafted us into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of the unbelievers. Set apart. Because Christ is there. He's part of our life. He forgives our sins. He renews our life. How does the Holy Spirit do that? I said, the Holy Spirit is busy with that, also this afternoon. So how is the Holy Spirit busy? Not because I'm standing here. I can do nothing. I'm just a weak instrument. I can't give you faith. I can't renew the strength of your faith. But basically what it is, through faith, that we know that, but what does that mean? Well, that means that we are actively involved. Basically, what happens here this afternoon is, here are the riches of Christ, just by the preaching of the gospel, they are here, from this pulpit, the Bible. But how now does that come in, into your heart? Let's think of a child, a little child, who doesn't want to eat. Mom takes a spoon, and puts it in her mouth. Faith. That's what faith is. You this afternoon should not look at this minister, which is only a weak servant, but you should look at Christ and they hope that they may present the voice of the Good Shepherd. And if you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, then you say, That's what I want to take in. That's believing. That's using your faith actively. And when you take that, that's even you can't do that from yourself. So when you go home and courage and strengthen in faith, that's, you can say, well, it's in our sermon and I listened attentively. But thank the Holy Spirit that you were able to listen attentively. Thank the Holy Spirit that you could go home encouraged and strengthened in faith. That's how the Holy Spirit works. You're down in the dumps. 
But we do it when we are down in the dumps. Maybe you take your Bible and you read Psalm 23. And all of a sudden you feel comforted. How come? That's the Holy Spirit. He's busy putting that word into your heart and then you can further it. You can go further in. You can cope with life. That's how he, through this tumultuous life, makes sure that we do not get shipwrecked, but may reach that safe haven. That's how the Holy Spirit works in us. And in that, he brings glory to the Father, like the Son. If you read the Gospel, then the Son says often, in my work I bring glory to the Father. Now the Holy Spirit brings glory to Christ, as we read it. John 16, verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And that's what's happening this afternoon. Christ's word, the Holy Spirit takes it, and he declares that to you. See that, beloved, our salvation, our entire salvation is firmly anchored in the work of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why it is also so crucial that Alpha 53 starts with that the Holy Spirit, together with the Father and the Son, is true and eternal God. And then it reads next, that is also given to me. The question could be asked, how can I be sure that the Holy Spirit is also given to me? Oh, think of Pentecost. Today's Pentecost, Acts 2, tells us about that mighty event. First, the people heard a sound from heaven like, a rushing, like the rushing of a mighty wind. And the whole house was filled with that, where the 120 people were together. And then a tongue, a tongue of fire was setting on each of them. That all the Holy Spirit, male and female, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men and old men, bond servants, everyone. So the Holy Spirit is given to everyone. Now this verse is often misinterpreted by saying, well see, male and female are all the same, so the females have also the Holy Spirit, so why should females not be able to sit on, stand on the pulpit and preach the gospel? It's a good argument for that, isn't it? But it's not. Because the Spirit is presented to us and eats with the gifts God has given us, male and female, we may serve a God. Male and female eat in their own way as God created us. And then you see that in this, this tumultuous world with people all talking about trans, transgender and whatever it is, forget how beautiful God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. Now think of Pentecost, the spirit. Males. Males are generally very doctrinally orientated. If you go to a men's club, then they will pull the whole thing apart and they can say exactly what it all means. And females are more practical. And it comes out also in, in other things. How God has created females in such a beautiful way that a male can't do it. If you listen to a mother, 
praying with her children in the morning. They said, if I could only do it like that, as a male. See how God wonderfully created us with the gift of the Spirit? As a couple together, but also individually, each with our own talents. If you, if you would study that a bit more, they see what a wonderful creation. And now through his Spirit, giving them to everyone, God is recreating that. That's our strength. Opposite the world that throws the gospel away. Hold on to that. And don't let it get you be interpreted in the wrong way. People can easily do that. But then they forget how beautifully God created everything. And that's, that's, that's Pentecost, brothers and sisters. Sometimes people say we should have the signs as they were there at the beginning, speaking in tongues. That's a sign that the Holy Spirit is there. If someone would speak in tongues here this afternoon, see, that's how the Holy Spirit works. But again, that's not what Scripture teaches us. These were the beginning signs. And you see that also when you read Acts. Sometimes that certain things happen when the gospel goes one step further. Samaria to the ends of the world and so on. But the point now is that that, that belongs to the Christian to the, to the era that there were no, they had no Bible. So, as it says also in the end of Mark, the gospel was basically testified by the signs so that they knew this is the truth. But now we have the Bible. You can go home. And you can check if the minister told you the truth. Yeah. So, so that's how basically you could compare that with a river. If you're high in the mountains, then you see all this, this, this waterfalls, beautifully, streaming down, lots of water, and then it goes in the bed of a river. It keeps streaming, it shouldn't become a mud pot, but, but it keeps streaming. And that's the spirit today. The waters of the church, where it keeps preaching the gospel, so that people may continue to be renewed according to the image of Christ. So not a special science, but basically living a Christian life. That's how, this, how, this, how you can see that the spirit is working you. The spirit works by fruits. And it says also in the catechism, it does say, 24, that, that by these, the fruits of the Spirit, I know that my faith is active. And then you praise God, not yourself. So that's how the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. It says there even, this promise is for you and your children, all that are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to him. See, that's how the Spirit is given to us. Is given also to me. And then it says in Lord's Day 20, to make me my true face share in Christ and all his benefits. These are the benefits which Christ obtained by his death and by his resurrection. Forgiveness of sins, renewal of life, and that's now worked in our hearts so that we may embrace these benefits and live from them. See, dear beloved, how the Spirit brings us here on earth in connection with Christ. Christ is in heaven. At the right hand of the Father is our advocate. 
but he is also here on earth, busy with the Holy Spirit who helps us to connect us to Christ. There's a beautiful verse in Romans 8, verse 26, where it says, if you don't know what to pray, then I will give you what you pray. The Holy Spirit will help you also in that weakness. Sometimes you can know further than a sigh. But then the Holy Spirit brings us to God as a perfect prayer. That's how the Holy Spirit works us. Connects us to Christ so that more and more we may die to sin and live that new life in holiness before God. Through faith. The brothers and sisters, it also shows how important it is to read God's word, the gospel. For that's where, where all these things are spoken about. And not only the New Testament, read the Old Testament about all these, these wondrous works of God. And these are not just stories, the story of David, the story of Daniel and whatever. No, this is a redemptive history. You see that also when Christ is on earth. It says, these were the prophecies I fulfilled. That's the Old Testament. And then the New Testament. That's the gospel. The gospel of my Father in heaven. It speaks about Christ my Savior. And when I read it, then the Holy Spirit will comfort and strengthen me. And that's why the church services are also important. To be fed by the gospel. To remain standing in that battle against the devil, the world. And last but not least, our own sinful flesh. Don't risk your life, beloved, by neglecting the Sunday services on every Sunday at the beginning of the week. Come faithfully to drink from the fountain of living water. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, we cannot come in contact with Christ. Without faith, we have no communion with Christ. And so, that's the work of the Spirit by which he makes sure that we get renewed, strengthened, and comforted. Let's make sure then that we never grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 30, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. That's the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So also the Spirit, the element often forgotten. So he connects me with Christ, he also comforts me with Christ. And then I mentioned it already, the proof text under the Catechism, chapters 14 and 16, but the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about the comforter. The original word says the paraclete. In his final address to his disciples, Christ points them to this comforter, the paraclete. We read that in, let's, just, let's go back from chapter 40 for a moment, the verses 16 through to 18, where it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an other helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And that came through at Pentecost. 
when the Spirit was poured out. Then the Lord Jesus speaks about an other helper, the comforter, an other. For Christ is the first comforter, but he's now in heaven to plead our cause with the Father. But now he gives also an other comforter, an other paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Now what does that word paraclete mean? That someone you can call upon when you need help. And so we could translate that word also with advocate. Christ in heaven before the Father is our advocate. Before the heavenly judge he defends our cause. And he does it on the basis of his accomplished work. So he's our first paraclete, our first comforter. But now he gives another paraclete, another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who has not been given to us just to comfort us, so that he may not feel at a loss, now Christ is in heaven. Now the comforting work of the Holy Spirit is far greater. The Spirit comforts us with Christ, with his accomplished work, assuring us of the trustworthiness of all the promises we read in the Gospel. When you believe these promises, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit directs our eyes to Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. Look at him. Trust him. He shed his precious blood for you. See, that's how the Holy Spirit ministers the comfort to us. Every time we hear that, and we embrace that and say, what a miracle that Christ will look at me like that. That comfort. The Holy Spirit works in you. The comfort, as we read it already in Lord's Day 1, that I'm not my own, but this body and soul belong to Jesus Christ, my faithful Savior. That's how the Spirit ministers us, with the comforts of Christ. In the last Lord's Day of the Harbour Catechism, we read about the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh, who do not cease to attack us. Love is hard. Let's be honest. It's a hard battle to live every day holy. It's a hard battle to trust God every day. It's a hard battle to use our talents not for own ambition but to the glory of God. The devil is there to attack us. But then the Spirit is there to help us. He's there in that battle. We're never alone. And that's how we can survive that spiritual warfare by clinging to the promises Christ. He's, he's our savior. He will bring us safely home. And so in that spiritual warfare, the spirit is there to guide us. Through all the tumult of, the tumult of life, the difficulties, the, the afflictions, the temptations, ask the spirit every morning that he will help you. For he has sealed you, the trial God, has sealed you for the day of redemption. So pray the Spirit. Pray to the Spirit that you may crucify your flesh. Forsake the world. And may lead a God-fearing life. That's how the Spirit comforts us with Christ. And then it says also that he will remain with us forever. He keeps us in Christ. And in that context, I'd like with you to go to the beautiful chapter, the last chapter of the Callus of Dort, where we read about these things in a wonderful way. 
I love that five, fifth chapter. And that's how the Spirit keeps us in Christ. Let's start with, on page 583, with Article 6. Article 6 of Chapter 5 of the Canons of Dort, which says as heading, God will not permit his elect to be lost. It says there, For God, who is rich in mercy according to the unchangeable purpose of his election, does not completely withdraw his Holy Spirit from his own, even in their deplorable fall. Neither does he permit them to sink so deep that they fall away from the grace of adoption and the state of justification or commit the sin unto death or the sin against the Holy Spirit and totally deserted by him, plunged into eternal ruin. Now, I'd like to make a little comment about sin against the Holy Spirit because I've had people that went through severe depression and I had once a brother and he says, I'm lost. I've committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. Now, I tell you, brothers and sisters, if you ever think that, you've never committed sin against the Holy Spirit. Because a person who sins against the Holy Spirit will not even think about it. He's given up on God. Let alone that he will think about the Holy Spirit. I'm free, I don't worry. They have what they call a life without worries. And then someone in the church thinks, I've committed a sin against the Holy Spirit. Because they are still worrying. Still, you still struggle in faith, otherwise you would ask that question. So, it can happen that people give up on God, and we see that. But if you worry about it, I can you assure, I can assure you, you haven't committed that sin. There's a bit of a sidetrack there, but I'd like to make that clear, because sometimes people struggle with that. So, it says here that the Holy Spirit will not leave people even when they, they fall into sin. And then the canons in an earlier article of this chapter mentioned the fall of Peter and David and other saints. That can happen. And brothers, this is what would come from us if we did not know that the Holy Spirit is there to help us to overcome that. That there is forgiveness of sins, but also that we can go on and that he will help us in that battle which will not diminish here on earth. He will keep us, keep us in Christ. If the Holy Spirit would not do that, we will be eternally lost. The Holy Spirit will do that. But that does not undo our own responsibility. For example, we cannot say, well, see... We are here, true church of Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit is here, and so the church of Saddle River will always exist. No, the church of Saddle River has also to be faithful to the gospel. And that's our responsibility. How that always works together is sometimes difficult to explain, but of course, it is also with us. The Holy Spirit will keep us, but that's not a pillow on which we can fall asleep and say, I'm a child of God, I'll be baptized, I will be okay. Now you have to live from it. I think about the glorified Christ wrote to some of the churches in minor, Asia Minor. He says to the church in Laodicea, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, 
Als je wist dat je weer kolder had. So that because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's harsh. It's just, it's just cozy, getting on. Didn't get hot about some things, not cold about. Be okay. I will vomit you out of my mouth. To the church in Ephesus, the Lord says, repent, do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove the lampstand away. That can happen. And then the Lord will put the lampstand somewhere else. The prophet Jeremiah warns the Israelites not to falsely trust in the Lord, as if nothing could happen. They were sitting there in Jerusalem, this is the city of God, nothing will happen. This is God's temple. You Babylonians, you think what you can, but, but we are the city of God. We are, we are nothing. Yeah, nothing. If we put not our trust in God. So, we are actively involved. So, be, be honest about what can happen. The lust of the flesh, we can easily be turned aside, sidetracked, and saints do fall into serious sins. Scripture is full of that, and it's also for our comfort that we read these, these, these about these people that, that seriously sinned, and God kept them in his grace. That's the Lord, who works a contrite heart in people who did fall into sin. Think of Jacob. He deceived his father. What a life! If you read the story of De Jacob, how could that be a child of God? But then at Bethel, The Lord appears to him in a dream and he sees that ladder from its top reaches in heaven. Angels ascending, descending, ascending and descending on it. And through the dream, God assures Jacob, I'm still with you. Despite all what happened, all what you've done to your father Isaac to Esau, I'm still your God. Think of Nathan when he went to David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Peter who denied the Lord Jesus. And then, there's a remarkable verse in, in the Gospel according to Matthew, there's, there's sometimes a few verses. Peter, three times, and he realized what he had done. And then he went outside and wept. Two words. And he wept. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of God. Who kept him safe in that hour. Peter said, I will die with you. I don't know that man. Three times in a row. But then he wept. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. To make us persevere to the very end. Let's go to Article 7. Where that exactly is also confessed. Where it says, God will again renew his elect to the repentance. For in the first place, in their fall, he preserves in them the imperishable seed of regeneration. So that it does not perish and is not cast out. Further through his word and spirit, he certainly and effectually renews them to repentance. And as a result, they grieve from the heart. It's a godly grief and sorrow about the sins they have committed. They seek and obtain through faith with a contrite heart forgiveness in the blood of the mediator. And then they again experience the favor 
of a reconciled God and door his mercy and faithfulness. And then it continues Article 8, so it is not through their own merits or strength, but through the undeserved mercy of God that they neither totally fall away from the faith and grace, nor remain in their downfall and are finally lost, with respect to themselves, they have it, with respect to themselves, this could not easily happen, but it would undoubtedly happen. But with respect to God, this cannot possibly happen, since his counsel cannot be changed, his promise cannot fail, the calling according to his purpose cannot be revoked, the merit, intercession, and preservation of Christ cannot be nullified, and the sealing of the Holy Spirit can neither be frustrated nor destroyed. What a beautiful promise. In the battle we have to fight, the Spirit is with us so that we may persevere to the very end. But again, not a pillow to fall asleep on. Article 12. The certainty of the perseverance, however, so far from making true believers proud and complacent, is rather the truth of humili humility, childlike reverence, union godliness, endurance in every struggle, fervent prayers, constancy in suffering, and in the confession of the truth and lasting joy in God. Further, the consideration of this benefit is for them an incentive to the serious and constant practice of gratitude and good works, as becomes evident from the testimonies of Scripture. If you are forgiven, they say, oh, that's cheap. So now to pray for forgiveness of him. It is not that cheap. If only we would live more cross-focused. When you think of your sin, and think of the blood of Christ that dripped from the cross, his head, that crown with thorns, the nails in his hands, and the stripes on his back, blood for me. If you think about that, who would then sin against it? Oh, it's easy, you forgive me. A child can say sorry easily, sorry to his parents. But if a child has seen how has, he has hurt his parents, he saw that grief of mom on her face, he said, I will never do that again. I will never make it so bad that I see mom so grief-stricken. Now, every sin grieves God. Every sin. So not only committing adultery, but a little bit of gossip. Oh, that's so bad. For every word of gossip, Christ had to shed his precious blood. See, if you think about these things, cross-focused, that you pray that through the Holy Spirit, you will live more and more Christ-like. See, that's, that's, that's the work of the Spirit. That's what he wants to create in us, so that we not, not grieve him anymore, but may live to the glory of God. Bring forth the fruits of the Spirit in true repentance and humbleness. There is nothing of us. It's all grace. But we may also sing, as grace has brought us safe thus far, grace will bring us safely home. Nothing else but only God's 
amazing grace. Amen.
Let's pray to give thanks. Dear Father in heaven, we pray thee that thou wilt indeed create in us a pure and clean heart, a steadfast spirit in helping us to live that new life that thou hast given us in Christ. Help us to rejoice in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to guide and protect us on the road to the new Jerusalem. Grant that the joy of thy salvation may make us cause to obey thee with joy. And that obeying thee will never become a burden to us. Lord, we confess that that is a daily struggle for all of us. And that's why we also pray for perseverance. Lord, we need to, all of us, each in their own struggle. Help us also to be there for one another in a living communion of saints. Lord, in our prayer this after, we will not only focus on ourselves, but we also pray thee for a world in which there is so much suffering globally. Nations race against each other, waging war. Creation is in distress, earthquakes, floods, drought, hunger, people dying. And but we know these are all the woes we hear about in thy words. But at the same word we also read that there is hope when we focus on Christ. And so we also pray thee that many may still hear that message of hope and turn to thee. Redeem the time and be saved. To this end, bless all mission work in PNG, Father, but not only in PNG, but globally. Bless the testimony of Christian aid workers who have gone out to work in many of those hotspots, sometimes risking their own lives. Lord, bless our relief efforts. Be with the families who suffer. And Father, will thou then grant that they may hear the gospel and find strength to cope even in the most difficult circumstances. And Father, we thank thee for the reports we sometimes can hear of people who in those dire circumstances Indeed, find that hope. That's thy work. The work of the Holy Spirit, globally. And we thank thee for it. Lord, help us to shine as bright stars in the society thou hast caused us to live in. A dark society, where many people rebel against thee. Make us light bearers. Help us to reach out to those who live in darkness. But also, Father, to those who have left us. All those prodigals who think they can do it without thee, but deep down often miss that peace they are looking for. Lord, let not today's time of grace run out on them. Bring them back into thy fold. We plead with thee. Hear and answer the daily prayers of so many parents, grandparents, siblings. Lord, hear and have mercy. 
Bless our families. Make them safe havens for our children. Grant that the seed of the government may grow up in the joy of faith. Father, we pray thee also for those students who are having exams. Give them wisdom. But help also them, Father, that they may trust in thee. That it's not in the end the great they get that counts. But their love for thee. Let's never forget it, Father. It's not the A's and the B's that counts. But whether you have done our work faithfully, and if you come home with a C or a D, that doesn't matter. For we want to faithfully serve thee. Help us to understand that, Father, also that we never look down on people. Or you could have done better. Why did you do that? If people faithfully do their task, that we may appreciate what they have done in their service. And that not only as far as students is concerned, but in every area of life. We're all part of the body. And we can't miss one part. Whatever menial task a brother or sister is doing. Who are we? We're only clay in the hands of the potter. Father, help us to see that. So that we may live in true humbleness without any judgmental attitude and so may praise and glorify thy name by the power of the spirit Lord we thank thee for thy amazing grace by which thou hast brought us safe thus far but we also pray thee fervently bring us faith safely home and if it's thy will with so many who have left us so that together he may sit at the merits feast of the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You now receive opportunity to give to the Lord your gifts of thankfulness for the work of mission in PNG. And then in closing we'll sing a hymn about the work of the Holy Spirit, hymn 49, verses 1, 2, 3 and 4.
received the blessing of the triune God and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.